care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ew, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow, and you've known about it for four weeks, and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa! Money really does grow on trees. God, you are so good to us. Uh, between uh, crazy seasons of life where we don't know what what's next, or when things are really good, um, and we see you move. God, you move through it all. You love us, you care for us, and you have amazing things for us, God. Remind us of that love today. Um, God, we just want to worship you, so open our hearts and minds to the worship and to the message, God. We love you and want to serve you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
praise. Amen. Yes, God.
display for all to see. Darkness closes in. You are hope. You are hope. You have covered on my sin. Oh, man.
Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Awesome in power forever, Lord. Forever is something that uh, we don't understand. Some of us are young and we live almost minute to minute, some day to day, some week to week. Don't know that I comprehend forever, Lord. To be in your midst forever. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming my soul. Thank you, Lord, for the price that was paid at Calvary so I can be free. And if I am free, I am free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. church. If you have a copy of the Word of God, please join me in Ephesians chapter 4. Starting at verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. On saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness, the fulfillness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cutting, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head, unto Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thank you, Joshua. If, you, uh, if you're not already there, uh, do join us in, in Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be here. And as we continue our study on every day, uh, and today's focus is everyday equipping. And uh, before we get into the text, I just want to give a, a sort of an update and a thank you. Um, I just want to thank you for your generosity, your ongoing generosity in giving during our time away our time uh, while we were uh, meeting remotely on the computer. Um, if you haven't um, seen our, our latest uh, budget or our latest monthly statement, um, God has provided for us every step of the way through your generosity and through his grace uh, so that we've met budget every month. And, and so we just thank you for your ongoing generosity and we give glory to God for his provision. I've talked to a number of pastors whose churches are struggling or struggled financially uh, during this time, and uh, God has provided for all of our needs and then some, and we've had some neat stories of just uh, the way in which he's done so. I want to thank you for, for your contribution to that. Uh, as we talk today about everyday equipping, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you didn't feel prepared for the task. You didn't feel like you had been thoroughly equipped Maybe it was a job, that you're, you're one of your first jobs, and you were just thrown into it. You didn't have any clue what you're doing. Just, hey, your boss said, do this. Um, maybe it was a project around the house, and you didn't have the right tools. Uh, maybe it was uh, Little League, and you didn't feel like you were prepared for your first game. I remember that, this feeling in a, in a, in a huge way uh, when we had our first child. Um, I remember, you know, we went to um, these... Uh, uh, birthing classes that uh, that they were supposed to help prepare you for parenting and the whole birth process, which you know is phenomenal. Like, hey, come to this class one day and one night a week for three weeks, and you are prepared, right? Yeah, right. And so I, I don't remember a whole lot from those classes, but I remember that there were like during the delivery process there were some things I was not supposed to say. I do remember that part. Um, but I remember that feeling as we're walking out to our car. Uh, leaving the hospital for the first time with that baby carrier in hand as a 22-year-old thinking, what in the world have I done? <laughs> and what am I supposed to do with this guy? Uh, it was terror that struck me. I did not feel equipped. And we get home, and, and my wife had done a lot of babysitting and, and read a lot of, a lot of books, on that, especially the early stages. And so she was much more comfortable with this process, but you know, I, I mean, I'm 22, I'm a guy, I haven't changed, I don't know if I'd ever changed diapers, you know, and so I remember one of the first days Caleb was home, uh, we changed, I, I put him on the changing table, and I, I told Lisa, I'm going to a wet one here, I can handle this, we're going to change him, it's a piece of cake, right, the wet ones are easy. Well, listen, I'm new at this, I, I don't know why I did this, but I faced him like, like this, okay, you see where this is going? And I'm standing down here at the business end, and I think, wet one, piece of cake. So we got the diaper off, no problem. This is easy. This is easy. It's going to be fine. Um, he decides in his generosity, like, Dad, I'm going to take care of something while we've got this diaper off. I don't want to waste another diaper, uh, so we're going to just take care of this right now. And, of course, he poops all over my leg. The amount of force that this kid had was incredible all down my pants. I'm like, seriously, like one of my first days on the job, I did not feel equipped. So I learned my lesson a couple days later. I had him perpendicular, right? And so I'm changing him again, another wet one. And, and uh, I realized I got the diaper off and threw it in the trash and I realized I didn't grab a new one. So I, I'm, I, I hold him and I reach back to, uh, to grab another diaper and he's, he's crying this whole process. He was not happy before we even started it. So he was crying and crying and crying. And I reach back, and all of a sudden, the crying turns to and I turn back, and sure enough, he's peeing, and it's going back right in his face. Now, again, I'm a 22-year-old guy. 
Like, had I been older and more mature, I wouldn't have laughed. But I blame it on my immaturity. I thought this was hilarious. I'm not going to stop this. I'm not Hindu. I don't believe in karma, but this was kind of cool. Like, all right, son, just so you know, this is what happens when you poop on me. There are tasks that we embark on that we don't feel equipped for, and for many of us, that task is discipleship. We don't know where to begin. We don't know uh, how, how, to, how to do it. If, 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 I've, if you may have heard me, I've been saying it's, it's not a class. It's not just signing up and going through a course. Um, it's not something you get a certificate for, and that's it, and we're done. It's a way of life. We're talking about making disciples in the everyday stuff of life. It's an ongoing process. What does that look like for us as a church, as God's followers? We're in Ephesians 4 here. Uh, The Apostle Paul talks about the people that God has given to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to help prepare them to make disciples. And so as we look at this text, the first thing I I made a note of is that there's an expectation here, and that is equipping. The expectation is that there's equipping going on. Um, It it says in 11 and in the beginning of 12, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. Now notice this isn't actually a command. Uh, There's just an expectation. It's understood these five different, depending on how you understand the, the Greek and everything, there's either four or five roles here or gifts that he's given to the church. Now, these are separate from all of the spiritual gifts that you can read about in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. These are actually individual roles within the church. They may be an officially recognized leadership position, or it may be other leaders in the church that have these roles. And we're just going to briefly go through them in a moment. But these are the men and women that God has called to be responsible for the equipping of the saints. They're not the only ones who equip, but they're responsible to make sure it's happening. This word equip is the only, the Greek word is the only time it's used in the New Testament. It means to to make something, someone sufficient for something, to make someone adequate, to furnish uh, their needs. Now, what we're not saying is that we're ever going to feel like we got it all. I mean, that's one of the, the hindrances that, that keeps us sometimes from, from taking on discipleship or even like sharing our faith is that, well, I don't know what I would say to this if they asked me this question, or I don't know how to respond like if they bring this topic up. I, I'm just not, I'm not equipped. Like, okay, we'll never feel like we've got it all down. None of us will have all the answers all the time. And that humility is, I think, actually a, a powerful witness as we're sharing our faith. We'll never, just like with parenting, we'll never know it all. We'll never have it all down. That shouldn't keep us from embarking on the discipleship process. But this word equip uh, indicates that, that you've, been, you've been readied or prepared for something. That when you look at who is being equipped, he says equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The, the word saints is literally the holy ones. This is not some next tier level of Christians where you can say, hey, I'm, I don't have to worry about discipleship because that's not me. That's for the, the super spiritual people. When the Apostle Paul uses the word saints, this is really cool, he's talking about anybody who's a follower of Jesus, anyone who's trusted Christ. Isn't that kind of cool? I mean, if you didn't know that, that's a pretty neat revelation to know that God calls you saints. He's like, you may not always live up to it, You may not always feel like it, but here's how I look at you in my son, Christ Jesus. You are holy ones. You are set-apart ones. And so he's given these five different gifts, these five different roles to equip the saints, to equip you. And uh, the first first two are kind of controversial, and they're, in my studies this week, I kind of went down a rabbit rabbit hole um, investigating the apostles and the prophets, and what exactly is meant by an apostle and what exactly is meant by a prophet? If you're really into that, I can, I can send you some of my notes. But just briefly, uh, some theologians say that these, these two roles were only reserved for the New Testament church. And I, I, I get that. Uh, they would say the apostles were those who heard the word directly from God, those who had, his, you know, the immediate disciples of Jesus, the, the apostle Paul. These were getting, they were getting divine revelation. Uh, they were uh, writing scripture. They were, they were like like the original, um, most closely connected to Jesus and had this unique, unique gifting and authority that has not been passed down. 
Um, and while others will say, yeah, they did have a unique role, but this role of apostle, maybe you could say that like the 12 and Paul were like apostle with an uppercase A, and the role of apostle with a lowercase A continues on to this day. The, the word literally means sent ones. And I, and I tend to lean towards that this, this is what we would think of as missionaries today. These are people whose heart has been uh, just called to go. They're goers. They're, they're the kinds of people in church who are like, let's go do this. Let's, you know, we've been doing this for a while, but what about over here? What about these people that need Christ? Or let's start a ministry over here. God has given those uh, gifts to the church because if, without them, we stay stagnant. We, stay, we tend to like, like group and, and, and stay in our little huddles and, and not be willing to branch out. Apostles are people who are pioneers, who want to go where no man has gone before and to take the gospel out. It may not even necessarily be overseas, but it may be in new ways reaching out to our community. Then there's the prophets. Again, another category that's sometimes debated. There are some that say, no, prophets are only like Isaiah and, and Hosea and Jeremiah. Uh, these are the guys that heard revelation from God and would brought, bring uh, proclamations of doom and judgment upon those who were being disobedient to God's word. I think when you get to the New Testament, though, the prophet's a little bit bigger. The, the, the idea is, or I should say it's a little broader definition. It, it's, I think it's people who are speaking the words of God as revealed by the Spirit of God. It's something God brings to mind in the moment. They just have this ability to, to sense God's leading in this moment, that God gives them insight into situations and, and can speak that out into the church. It's not the same as being on par with, with Scripture. Like what they say can be uh, equated with what we're reading here or with the words of Jesus. But there's this insight that they're giving that may not be uh, just general knowledge or obvious to all. And then there's the evangelists. We know of them as those who are, are uh, at the forefront of proclaiming the gospel. They just love striking up conversations with unbelievers and directing those conversations to Jesus. Again, just because there's evangelists doesn't mean that, that the rest of us shouldn't be involved in evangelism. But these evangelists are helping equip us, helping teach us how to do it. They're leading the way by example and by their words as to what it means to point someone to Jesus. And then you have pastors and teachers. Now, the Greek here indi could indicate that this, is like a, this should be hyphenated, like pastor-teachers. Um, but it's not necessarily the case. And I don't think it is, because uh, while all pastors are supposed to be teachers, not all teachers are pastors. So God has given, and this is the, the, the word shepherd in, in some of your translations there, are those with a, with a caring heart that want to love and come alongside the flock. And I don't even think that those who have that heart are necessarily uh, in the office of pastor. There are some of you with a pastor's heart who may not be serving in that role, may not feel called to serve in that role officially, but, but yet you, you just have, uh, uh, you know, I, I talked to some of you, especially during this quarantine time, who are like uh, calling people constantly, just checking up on them, uh, asking about how they're doing. Is there anything you need? How can I pray for you? That's the heart of a shepherd right there. Uh, and then teacher is being able to explain the Word of God and expound the Word of God in a way that, that God's people can grab a hold of and apply to their lives. God has given these five roles to the church to help make sure that God's people are equipped. And there's a purpose here. And the purpose, secondly, is that of service. He says uh, to equip for the work of the ministry. There's a, there's a goal here. We're not just accumulating tools or knowledge just for the sake of accumulating tools and knowledge. I used to be amazed at my dad with, uh, with like Jeopardy would come on or we'd play Trivial Pursuit. The guy like had this endless supply of useless knowledge. I'd be like, Dad, where did you learn all this stuff? Like you only passed school because they didn't want you there another year. Like, that's why you graduated high school. I mean, that's how he told me. And I met some of his teachers by the time I got to high school, and they said the same thing. Like, are you like your dad? I hope you're not like your dad. <laughs> and and uh, uh, sometimes we could, like, we, can, we read or we build knowledge, and it has no, like, real ultimate end. But that's not the goal of equipping in the, in the church among God's people. We are equipped for a, a purpose, to do the work of the ministry, for service. And, you know, sometimes uh, this gets mixed up in the church. I've said this before, but, um, you know, so often, uh, and, and I, I think 
both, you've got pastors to blame, and I think you have um, you to blame. It's both our faults sometimes that this gets mixed up. Because there are some times where pastors think that they want to, either it's because they're workaholics, or they like getting the limelight, but they start doing everything. And they, they start, like, taking all the tasks, all the ministry, all the discipleship on their shoulders. And while they're burning themselves out, people in the pews are thinking either one of two things. Like, man, I would love to be able to serve. If someone would just give me the green light, I would love to be able to do this. I'd love to be able to use my gifts here. And I just, I just don't feel like I can. Sometimes we as pastors, we, we project that. Whether we mean to or not, we inadvertently say, you know what, I've got this. I'm the paid professional. You guys just come Sundays for the show, and we'll get the work done. That's wrong when we do that. It's wrong. But then sometimes you'll have this other feeling where it's like, dude, go ahead and do the work, man. I kind of like coming here and sitting, and I can leave and go home and have my Sunday dinner, and I'll see you again next week. Thanks. I'll put my tithe check to just make sure that you're paid and, and it's good. It's like maybe you probably, maybe you feel one of those two ways where it's like, I'm, hey, I'm fine not doing the work, or like, I wish I, could, I wish I could use my gifts. I wish I could get involved, or I wish someone would help me know how to use my gifts. I wish I could be equipped. Well, the goal, the, 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 when it's done rightly, you have pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, helping make sure the body of Christ is equipped so that everybody is involved in the work of the ministry based upon your various gifts and passions. But no matter what it is, no matter what your passions or gifts are, it should ultimately boil down to making disciples. You may approach it through uh, acts of service, and you're, you just love to be behind the scenes serving people. You may approach it through, through teaching or through hospitality. There's a whole host of gifts. And I don't even think Scripture lists all of the spiritual gifts that we're, that we're given. What's your passion? What's your talent? How can you use that to make disciples? You see, and then one of the ways that we go wrong sometimes, though, is that when we do turn people loose, sometimes we'll turn them loose on the wrong things, where they're like, hey, we'll say, hey, use your gift over here, and it has nothing to do with discipleship. It's a program, it's a ministry, it's an activity that creates busyness, and maybe it's, it's fun and people like it, but it's not doing anything to help someone become a better follower of Jesus Christ. And that's where these five roles need to be able to say, hey, do you know what? This is cool, and people like when we do this, but it's really not making disciples. We need to trim the fat. We need to say, okay, you're using your gifts. Let's bring you over here to where you can use them in a way that builds people up and helps them follow Jesus. The whole purpose of equipping the saints is for the work of the ministry, but not just any work. It's the work of discipleship. And most, most of it will be done outside the walls of this building. If what we're saying is true, if God has called us to be and to make disciples in the everyday stuff of life, the real nitty-gritty work of discipleship, most of it is going to take place the other six days of the week. As you're at work, as you're at home, as you're at play, God using you to build up your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the ultimate goal, finally, is maturity. And there's a lot here I wish we could, a lot more I wish we could say. But beginning in verse 12, he says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The passage that Joshua read to us goes on to talk about how we should be built into a mature manhood or womanhood. And no longer be children tossed to and fro, but be rooted and grounded in truth, built up in our faith, rooted and grounded in Christ. As we're being equipped for the work of the ministry, we're also doing the work of the ministry. No one has to wait till they become a level eight Christian to get to work. As you're being equipped, you can begin to do the work of the ministry. Paul told the Thessalonians in, a, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. It wasn't, it wasn't only talking to the pastors was just talking to the prophets, through the apostles, or the evangelists. He was talking to everyone. And he says, listen, I want you, 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 to build one another up. Don't wait for the worship music on Sunday. 
Don't leave that up to the pastor and the elders. You, your job is to build one another up, whether that's through words of encouragement, words of challenge, spending time loving and caring for others, checking in on them. I just want to spend our last couple of minutes to ask the question, what does this look like practically? Like, how, how in, in real life do we equip? And there's a lot more that we want to say about this, and we'll continue to say, is we just, like, I'm, I'm looking at this as we talk about discipleship. I'm just looking at it as we, as we continue to look at it from different angles and see it from different uh, perspectives. Um, I, I look at it like a little bit like, uh, remember way back when um, there used to be sports and, like, uh, football, you watch a football play, and you could, you know, from one angle, it looks like a touchdown. But then as you look at other perspectives, you get a better picture of what, what truly happened on that play, and you realize that the guy's knee hit at the one-yard line, and the ball didn't cross the line before he was down. And you see from a different angle, it helps gain, gain clarity. We're going to continue to circle this idea of discipleship and equipping and preparing and training and, and our role in it. And so I just wrote down four things from a book that uh, I'm going through with our staff as we think about practically what this looks like. And first of all, it's about sharing. Um, It's about sharing our lives together. Again, we've been saying this, but you you see, you can't equip disciples. You can't equip others for the work of the ministry if you don't love people. That may, maybe if to every single person in this room, that's obvious, and that's fantastic. But some of us, if we get right down to it, we don't like people very much sometimes, and we don't want to be around people. And I get it, we all have those, those moments. But in First John, we're told that like, this is how you'll know the children of God, that they love their brothers. They love people. It doesn't mean that we're perfect at it. It doesn't mean that we do it all the time. It doesn't mean that we, mess, we don't mess up sometimes. We should have a heart for people. And, you know, if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not raising my hand or anything, but that's, that's me. I, I just don't really like people that much. I don't have a heart. Like, I don't look at someone and say, I wonder how I can help them know and love Jesus better. Like, if that's what's going on in your heart right now, just, just talk to God about that today. I mean, we all feel like that at, at different times. But if you realize that, man, this is something I'm not... I'm not, I can't get away from this. Like, I just keep coming back to this. Like, I, I just don't really care about people that much. And ask God to, to break through that hard-heartedness. Ask God to give you a, a compassionate heart for others. Discipleship begins, equipping others begins by sharing a relationship. You can't make disciples without relationships. And then secondly, it's through connection. As those relationships begin to draw closer, you begin to pursue their hearts. You begin to deepen in that, that walk with that person, and you begin to ask real questions. Like, we get past the superficialities of, of life that we so often get hung up on, right? Like, I mean, one of the great gifts that, that this COVID has given us is that we haven't had sports. Um, we couldn't go outside, so the weather didn't really matter. And um, uh, politics, I guess, was still kind of a thing, but... But some of those superficialities that, that we so often get hung up on in our conversations were kind of set aside. Have you, have you ever had someone ask you, how's your walk with Jesus? What's God teaching you today? Have you ever been asked that? Have you ever asked anybody that? Not, not with a spirit of trying to trip them up or make, you, make them think you're super spiritual, but because you care about them, say, how, how, how are you loving your spouse right now. My wife and I just spent some time with uh, some mentors of ours, Mike and Pam, and, and, I, and I love and hate them at the same time because um, they love us enough to ask those kinds of questions. And so we'll be sitting down at the dinner table. We, were, we did it Friday night and again yesterday morning, and, uh, and he'll, he'll ask questions like, uh, Jeremiah, why are you treating Elisa that way? It's like, Mike, I just want to eat my dessert, man. Leave me alone. It's kind of painful. Like, he sees something in my heart or in the way that I'm acting toward Elisa, and he'll call me out on it. But I know that Mike's doing it because he loves me. He cares about me. He wants to help me be a more godly husband. And, he, and he's, he's going to actually walk. He and his wife are going to walk then through a conversation with us where they continue to probe and ask questions. Well, why did you respond that way? Hold on, hold on. You just, 
You just bristled when she said that. What, what, was, what was that about? And they're, they're modeling discipleship for us. While we're talking about how to do it, they're actually doing it with us. When you deeply connect with someone, you're pursuing their heart out of love, you're going to ask those kinds of deep questions. I asked Mike, I said, man, you are, you're, the, you're, the, you're fantastic at this. How do you do this? How do you, how do you transition conversations? How do you keep me from talking about stuff over here? Or even just having, like we started off yesterday morning, talking theology. And that's great. We had a great conversation. But I, can, I can talk about that every, all day long without getting to my heart. You can talk about spiritual stuff without ever getting to how, how's your walk with Jesus. And, and I said, Mike, how do you not, like, how is it that, that, that you, like, you don't, you're not ever content with that? Like, it's, you're always going to bring it back to here, to heart. And he said, Jeremiah, it's work. Like, I've been doing it for 30 or 40 years, but it's still effort. I'm, I'm still prayerfully asking God, uh, show me how I can swing this conversation toward Jesus. And talking about grace and his love for us and his desire to make us more like himself. And, and, and he does it. God gives him that insight, and, and he will to us, too, as we pursue him and pursue other people's hearts. There's prayer in there, too, with that idea of connection, praying with them, praying for them, praying with them for the church. There's a lot more we could say, but I want to wind this down here. The third, the third step, then, was to train to minister. So again, as we said, the idea is not to just accumulate knowledge. The, the idea is not just to um, uh, help someone feel like they've got the right tools now, but then you're helping prepare them, though, to be able to do the same thing. And you may come up against uh, uh, certain areas. It may not be always a spirit-led, impromptu conversation. What Mike often does with uh, when he talks to me or when he and his wife talk to Elise and I, it's just them asking questions and we see where God takes it. But uh, maybe you'll see as you're spending time with someone, man, this new believer here, uh, they, they've never studied the Bible. No one's ever talked to them about where, I mean, they just started opening up one day, okay, I'll try Leviticus here. And they're frustrated and struggling through this passage. They don't understand it. And so maybe you'll take some time and say, hey, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to just how to study your Bible. Where do you start? What kind of principles should you apply in trying to understand the text? Or, or maybe they come to you and they, they have a question about the Holy Spirit. What, what's, this, what's the deal with this Holy Spirit that Jesus said, this comforter that he was leaving? All right, well, let's spend the next few weeks studying that together and walk through those texts together. And so, but while you're studying that, you're not just like, you're not just still out here studying a doctrine or a truth or a lesson, but it's always coming back to the heart. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, Jeremiah, what, is it, what does it mean then that the Holy Spirit's living inside of you? Have you seen evidence of the Spirit of God convicting you when you sin? Yeah, when I, I was really harsh with my son the other day, I walked away and I felt this feeling I never felt before, like, like this like, like sorrow that I acted that way. Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit, Jeremiah. That's, that's God's Spirit saying, you can't do that. You need to repent of that and ask for his forgiveness. And so even in the midst of studying these topics, we're always drawing it back to the heart. That's what disciple-making is. And then finally, fourthly, discipleship comes full circle when that person is released to be a disciple-maker. And just like our Lord and Savior modeled the, uh, the whole principle of, of showing his disciples uh, you begin to find ways to minister alongside of that person. You're showing them how to make disciples while you're helping disciple them. And, and uh, you're demonstrating, and then eventually you begin to delegate more and more and giving them opportunities to take the wheel. And, and, and then the greatest thing is for you to be able to see someone that you have poured your life into then turn and begin to do that with someone else. That's, the, that's, that's our mission right there. Whatever else that we get caught up in, whatever else we get excited about, like that's what it boils down to. Pouring into people, helping them know and love and follow Jesus, and then watching them do that with somebody else. That's Matthew 28. That's the Great Commission. That's 2 Timothy 2.2 2 that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, finding faithful men who will teach others also. That, that's, that's what it's all about. 
If you're struggling today with your purpose in life, right here, here it is. God has called you to follow Jesus and help others know how to follow Jesus. And then help those people help others to follow Jesus. And on and on and on and on it goes until you get to go see Jesus. That's the Christian life right there. That's what he's called us to. And we're going to continue to talk about, well then, like, okay, what, is, what does that look like in my home? What does that look like uh, here at church and when we gather together in the building? What does that look like while I'm at work or on vacation? Uh, how do I have those conversations? We're going to keep talking about this because this is what our mission is. One of the first places you can start, though, if you think, Pastor, I, I've, I feel like I'm equipped. I, I think I know some things about the Christian life. I want to get involved. Or maybe you're feeling a little further back, like, I'm kind of new to this thing, and I just don't feel like I have some of the tools that I need. That's okay. We've, we've got a link on our website that says Get Involved, and that just helps us. If you, if you follow that, there's a little form there, and we can just start the conversation about how, how we can um, begin connecting and in, in, in helping equip and send you out to make disciples. That's what this is. What Jesus has called us to. That's what our commission, our mission is all about, everyday equipping. As we think about this on this Father's Day, as you get ready to go out, maybe get to spend some time with Dad, um, I hope that, 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 that these conversations turn up. Um, or as you go home uh, throughout this week, um, reflect on these things. How is God calling me to be equipped and to equip others to make disciples? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, continually refresh our minds. This is the mission. This is the purpose. This is what it's all about. This is what it boils down to. This is not peripheral. This isn't the flavor of the week. You have called us to be disciples who make disciples. You've called us to follow Jesus and help others follow Jesus. You've called us to be equipped and to help equip. God, if we're clueless about that, if we feel lost, I pray, God, that your spirit would would direct us to how that's done. Help us as leaders and those with these gifts that that Paul talks about here, help us to do a good job of making sure that we're passing on the torch. We're helping others be the kind of men, the kind of women, the kind of husbands and wives and moms and dads and parents and grandparents and friends and coworkers and family members and citizens that you've called us to be. May we make much of Jesus Christ in every walk of life that we were involved in. Every day, wherever we go, God, I pray that we, our hearts would be so in tune with your spirit that we're constantly asking, God, do you, do, you want me to, do you want me to talk to this cashier? Do you want me to talk to this person here that's, that's across from me at, at, the, at the gas pump? God, how can I, how can I, I talk to my struggling teenager right now. God, I know your spirit's calling me to, or moving me to call my adult child. What do you want me to say? How can I turn the conversation from just chit-chat to spiritual things? Got this family reunion this week, God. I need wisdom to be able to, to take a stand for Christ with this uncle who absolutely hates the things of God. God, I, I need your wisdom God, may we be passionately devoted to making disciples, to being disciples in the everyday stuff of life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go out and make disciples this week. Have a great week.